0: to episode 22. I can't believe I have already done 21 of these things. Um, anyway, this week I wanted to share with you the presentation that I had given for week two in the Fem Power series of events that I had co-hosted with the Strait Area Chamber of Commerce in April. And so the theme for those events when we decided to host them was the importance of staying connected to ourselves in order to support our mental and physical health, you know, during normal times, but especially so, you know, lately during really trying times. And so week two was nutrition and no different, you know, the theme there was no different, the power of staying connected with ourselves. And so it is nutrition week, but I'm not going to be talking a whole lot about actual nutrition. Rather, I'll be talking about why we eat the way that we eat, why you shouldn't be trying to, quote, be good with food, why awareness and connection with ourselves and our bodies is the key to changing it all. And I'm going to leave you with some actionables that you can start practicing today. So if we want to have a conversation about food and protecting our mental and physical health, we need to first acknowledge what happens when we feel mindlessly and uncontrollably driven to the fridge a hundred times a day, and when we can't stop eating things that make us feel like crap for reasons that we don't really understand. Because in my experience, what happens is that we feel guilty, we feel ashamed. We worry about gaining weight, and we feel like we're alone in all of it. And none of those things are good for our mental or physical health. On top of that, they often drive us to make choices that make us feel like crap and add to the stress or whatever else we're already feeling. So the first thing that I want to say is that however you've been managing food lately, it's 100% normal. It's okay, and you need to just give yourself permission to do whatever you need to do to get through this, but more on that in a minute. First, I want to talk about some of why it happens so that you get that it's not your fault. Now, you may have heard me say these things before. Some of this you may have heard before, maybe some of it you haven't. Even if you have heard it before, it bears repeating and repetition, because reminders are really helpful. So on the surface, the biggest, most easily blamed culprits of constant snacking lately are likely things like boredom, overwhelm, fear, right? But those are really just the surface level causes. At its core, stress eating, emotional eating, even binge eating, all of those patterns of behavior that we develop around food, develop because our brains are trying to problem solve as quickly as possible. They're basically problem-solving computers, trying to keep us safe and alive. And, you know, they're really pretty good at their jobs, but they're not always super efficient, right? Your brain's locked up there alone in your head. It can't see, hear, or feel what's going on around it. So it has to rely on interpreting millions of little signals that it gets from your body. The way that your senses are perceiving your environment and from the stories that it's picked up over the course of your life about who you are, what you're worth, and how you should live. It also relies on its memory banks, that is the habit center for much of its problem solving, which means that much of its problem solving is being done behind the scenes, unconsciously. And this is where the programming can get buggy and may be driving you to the fridge a 100 times a day. So life is busy. We're busy. We're distracted. Our thoughts race. We're disconnected from our thoughts, from the present moment, and from our bodies. And we are a species that does not like to feel uncomfortable. We're actively taught to ignore our bodies and to listen to other people's advice about what they need. As a result, we stop being able to hear or understand what they're telling us but our brains are still getting the signals that they send out and drives our behaviors as a result of the signals that it gets. So here's a quick example about how how that may be playing out to create some nonstop snacking lately. You wake up and you you remember that there's no school or work. Um, It's another day of being home alone, which you're not used to, or maybe being locked in the house with kids and a spouse all day, which you're not used to. You remember your parents are in a high risk zone. You wonder how long this is going to last. You know, you sigh, you're trying to stay positive, but those realizations, those thoughts, they come with some kind of feelings. Your brain gets the signal that it's feeling some kind of way. In this case, probably fear, maybe overwhelm, uncertainty, and dread. That's a trigger. And you probably didn't even notice that it's happening because you've already got kids screaming in your ear and you're promising yourself you're going to get back on track and be good with food today, which then makes your brain afraid that it's not going to get its favorite breakfast sandwich or whatever food you love. The survival center of your brain is now officially in overdrive over the thought of not being able to eat what you want if you're being good. you don't even notice what feelings landed in your body with all those thoughts, because there's too much going on and you're not connected to anything going on inside yourself. But it's okay, you don't have to worry about sorting out any of those thoughts and feelings anyway, because your brain has your back, it's on the job, it's already gotten the signals from your body about the emotions that those thoughts produced and it's searching its memory banks for a solution. In less than a fraction of a second, It remembered that time in 1984 when you were little and upset. Grandma gave you a cookie and a hug and she told you everything was going to be okay. That felt really good and made you feel better. So your brain saved that moment to its Solutions of Feelings of Upset file so that it could pull it back up faster the next time you were upset. At the exact same time, it also remembers the other 100,000 times since then that food has made things feel better. So it determines food is the answer, perhaps even so specifically that it determines the specific cookie that grandma used to give you is, an answer, is the answer. Before you even realize what you're doing, you're standing in front of the pantry reaching for the cookies and you have no chance of figuring out what just drove you to the pantry for those cookies because now your thoughts are too busy doing this to be aware of anything else. Tell me if this sounds familiar. What are you doing reaching for the cookies again? Stop. Oh my God, you're going to gain 20 pounds by the time this is over. Stop eating. You're instantly flooded with a hefty shot of fear, which drives you to want the cookie even more, right? Because you're afraid of that that thought of gaining weight creates fear in your body. But again, you don't even notice because the thoughts are still going. I'll just have one. God, you're so pathetic. You're supposed to start being good today. It's not even 10 a.m. And look at you already eating cookies again. Oh, well, I may as well just eat the rest of them since I already blew it. I'll start over tomorrow. Or when this crisis is over. For real this time, I mean it. Sound familiar? And the rest of the day ends up following the same pattern. Maybe even the week, the month, and the year follows the same pattern. Even if it's just boredom, your brain determines there's a problem and is searching for a solution without you even knowing what's happening. There's zero awareness, just a drive to eat. So it goes like this. A trigger... That you probably didn't even notice has occurred. Your brain searches for a solution to that trigger, determines that it's food, you reach for food, and any diet or attempts to be good or, you know, eat healthy or whatever, is blown and you're feeling all guilty and bad. And because it's all happening behind the scenes in your head, you have no idea it's even happening. That's a pretty normal pattern for most people. So if you've been judging yourself and worried about weight gain, start trying to remind yourself that that's not helpful. Just let that stuff go. It is not helping. The reality is the choices you've been making may not always be the most nourishing, but they're always serving a purpose. So they're okay. And I know that sounds crazy, but here's the thing. We can recognize when we're doing something that may not serve our best interests long term. might even be self-destructive. But in the moment, when we are making a choice, any choice, we are doing the best that we can with what we know or are capable of in that moment. So if everything we're doing is serving us in some way, how can it be bad and worthy of judgment? As somebody who spent summers between 20 and 30 years feeding emotions, I did not learn to stop by judging myself for any of it or trying to force myself to stop. I learned to stop in part by recognizing that feeding emotions or eating for reasons other than hunger are not always bad things, and even if we're doing them in ways that don't make us feel good, judging ourselves for it only makes it worse. What we need in those times is grace, self-compassion, kindness, and love. Learning to just be with emotions is tough on a good day, and right now, You are trying to manage some pretty overwhelming, monstrous-sized emotions, I would imagine. Probably way beyond anything you've ever experienced before. It's okay if what you're feeling sometimes just feels too big to be with on your own. In those cases, just think of food like a hug or a friend holding your hand. It's just giving you a little extra support when you need it the most. It's human to need help sometimes. And it's also human to lean on food for that help. So sometimes in the moment, eating the cookie or whatever the thing is, might be the kindest, best choice that you can make for yourself. And so for me, the distinction lies between whether or not it's being done from a place of kindness and support and really just making you feel a little bit better or whether it's coming from a place of shame and punishment and making you feel worse. And understanding that difference requires, you guessed it, awareness. Now, most advice, excuse me, pardon me, for mindless, emotional, and autopilot eating is again, in my experience, pretty unhelpful. Because it's basically just lists of activities that you can do instead of eat, or a list of foods to not eat, right? Those things are completely dismissive of how powerful the drive to eat can feel. And they do nothing about the wiring in your brain that keeps causing it. What happens when no matter how hard you try, you feel like you can't stop eating the things on that list of no-no foods? And what happens after you do everything on those lists of activities and you still want to eat your way through the whole kitchen? You feel even worse because you feel like you're failing. But you're not failing. There is a reason that you feel like eating. Something is driving that action. There's something going on in us that we're trying to fix with food. And because we're not aware, we're, unident- we're unable to identify what the actual need is. So we're using food, we're mistaking it as food. Trying to not eat or busy yourself so that you don't think about it doesn't do anything to actually help give you what you actually need in those moments, particularly when there are triggers everywhere. It's impractical to suggest trying to willpower or busy yourself through every trigger for the rest of your life. And, you know, just so you know that I get it, my own mindless, emotional, and even binge eating used to be so bad that I would go to bed most nights actually afraid I was going to die in my sleep I had eaten so much. My heart would palpitate, my fingers would be numb, I would be throwing up in my mouth and so full that I physically could not even take deep breaths. My drive to eat was strong. (laughs) And now it's gone, all of it. I have not been mindlessly snacking through all of this. I don't even think about food or even eat until I'm uncomfortably full anymore. And I would tell you that that's how good my self-control has gotten, except that it's not self-control. All of those thoughts and driving forces are just gone. When I notice my stomach sending me a cue that I'm hungry, I make a decision about what I want to eat based on how I feel. Maybe I feel like a sandwich. Maybe I'm not super hungry and a little bit of broccoli will do. You know, maybe I just feel like something sweet and I want a couple pieces of candy. Maybe I haven't had pizza in a while and I feel like a few slices of that, or maybe I didn't have enough green things today and I'm craving a huge salad. Let me tell you 10 years ago, I never, ever would have thought the day would come that I would actually crave vegetables, but here we are. I eat what I want when I'm hungry and I stop when I'm full enough that I just don't want more. And that's how it's supposed to work. We are born into bodies that can be trusted with food. We just get stuck trying to listen to a whole lot of destructive outside messaging about food and with brains that take over the decision making. I never ever thought that I could learn to live this free from it all and that is a sentiment that I hear repeated in my clients all the time. How? Because once I understood that the stuff going on In me wasn't my fault, and that I was just being driven by you know this these this programming going on inside. I let it all be okay, and I went inside to start working on changing it. It was that simple, and that's what you have to do because cognition, which is what our brains do, our thoughts and our beliefs, right, and behavior, which is what our bodies do as a result, our physical states, our feelings, actions, and behaviors are inseparable. So what our thoughts do, or what our brains do rather, and what our bodies do as a result, our behaviors and our feelings, those things are inseparable. Cognitive behavioral therapy teaches us to understand the connection between them. It teaches us how our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are generating our results, and teaches us tools and strategies to manage them all in a way that better supports our physical and mental well-being. Mindfulness keeps us present in the moment to make awareness easier and it gives us the opportunity to take advantage of the space between thoughts, feelings, and actions to choose a different response. My cognitive eating is the combined power of mindfulness, CBT, and some intuitive eating elements broken down into a step-by-step process that focuses their combined power on the struggles, that almost everybody has with food, because like with everything else in life, our relationships with food, ourselves, and our bodies are formed through the thoughts, beliefs, habits, and behaviors that are usually unconsciously developed over the course of our lives, exactly like everything else about us. And those are the things that drive our behaviors. They are driving why we eat, the programming in our brains. In the example that I gave earlier, to help illustrate how this plays out in real life lately, I talked about the thoughts creating feelings of fear, dread, overwhelm, right? All those feelings and, you know, how all those feelings drive us to the pantry. That's how that works. Another example that almost everybody can relate to, though, is sugar, We're told sugar is bad. So this thought that we have that sugar is bad creates the belief that we shouldn't ever eat it again, and that if we do, we are somehow bad. That creates a fear response in our brain that causes us to crave it, cave, and then in many cases, self-punish by eating more of it. Have you ever eaten something, quote, bad, swearing you were only going to have a little bit, and then noticed yourself talking yourself into eating even more until you're sick because you think, well, I may as well eat the rest. I already screwed up anyway. That's a perfect example of that cycle in action. That's what that is. Self-punishing for being bad, the thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors that are created as a result of that never-ending cycle. So, I really want to leave you with some actionable things that you can start practicing right now in case it's been happening so much that you're starting to not feel good. So you have to go inside. I mentioned a minute ago that that's what it requires, going inside. So we use mindful awareness to first start being aware of our thoughts, noticing what are we saying to ourselves, noticing how are those things making us feel. What are some of the things that we commonly do when we feel that way? When I'm bad, I reach for the, or when I feel bad, I I reach for the potato chips, right? So really noticing the response that we take when we feel certain ways. We use that awareness to evaluate the validity of our thoughts. Is that thought even true? Is that thought helping me or making me feel worse? And we work to change them. What can I think instead that will make me feel better, that will make me choose a different response? We go inside our bodies to learn to listen to them and to give them more power over the decisions that we make for them rather than letting our brains do so unconsciously. And we learn better ways to manage our emotions through things that help us to calm down or by changing perspective or by just learning to be with our emotions. I shared a few strategies for finding calm in last week's recording. Um, one of the strategies that I shared for supporting it is, um, these five shifts that I'm about to share with you now. And these are actually core principles that I've built into cognitive eating because they create a huge shift in your relationship with food, as well as help with, you know, that understanding and address many of the biggest causes behind some of our food struggles So the first one is permission. You have to give yourself full permission to eat whatever you want, whenever you want. This works by correcting two causes. The restriction that makes your brain freak out and crave things, and it helps to stop self-punishing behaviors that are related to any guilt and shame that you may feel around the way that you eat. So permission, eat whatever you want, whenever you want. The next one is acceptance. It really sucks to feel controlled by food or like you can't stop snacking or like you need to lose weight. None of that stuff feels any good. But sulking and wallowing about our reality doesn't help change it. It only helps keep us stuck in it. On top of that, self-acceptance is huge because without it, we are going through life full-on rejecting parts of ourselves. And rejection isn't healthy, nor does it promote healthy behaviors, especially when it's our own rejection. So the sooner we can just accept that this is where we are, and that that's okay, and that we do have the power to change it if it's not working for us, the sooner we can get to the real work. The third one is kindness. There are a million reasons why you need to start being kinder to yourself starting right now and not the least of which is because you'll never find the answers you seek to what's driving some of your deepest rooted food issues while you're beating on yourself, nor will you be able to change them. Four is compassion. Studies have shown that people who practice self-compassion are happier, healthier, and even usually more successful than people who don't. I cannot stress enough how important it is to practice self-compassion. It also helps us to learn to want to be more kind to ourselves and better manage emotions. Uh, pop over to last week's podcast for an exercise um, on self-compassion. And then the next one is curiosity. Most people get scared of the permission element and rightly so. Permission, isn't a, like, permission alone isn't a magic fix. It also requires these five elements that I've been talking about and most of all, this curiosity element, start just noticing how you feel after you eat. How are your food choices making your body feel? What makes your body feel its best? What makes it feel worst? With full permission, acceptance, kindness, and compassion, when we stop all of the obsessive, intrusive, and destructive food and weight thoughts, we can be present in the moment with awareness, and explore the relationships between our thoughts, beliefs, and behaviors. And that is where the magic really starts to happen. If your food struggles aren't super deeply rooted, um, the next few things that I go through may pretty much be the answer to reversing most of them. If it's not, this will at least be how you'll know that you need to dig a little bit deeper and go further with it. So How to put all of that stuff into practice. The first step. Again, stop trying to be good with food and just eat whatever you want. This helps remove the added fear and guilt that food rules create, and it helps to stop cravings and obsessions that are caused by it. I know that it feels scary, but as I always ask clients, how has trying to, quote, be good been working for you? Maybe it's time to try something else. Two. Pause for a second before eating just to ask, am I physically hungry right now? Do a quick body scan to notice what you're feeling. This helps you to start recognizing and reconnecting with your body from the inside. We tend to spend all of our time looking for solutions to our problems in everything outside of ourselves, but we actually experience life from inside of our bodies. So if we want to change what we are experiencing in life, that's where we have to go. We have to go inside to start noticing and connecting with everything that we're thinking and feeling and noticing how our choices are impacting how we're feeling. This is a really important point to drive home. If you want to change the way that you're experiencing life, that is the way that you eat, think feel act whatever you have to make those changes by going into your body and deeply connecting with what it's like to experience life in your body right now with no judgment around your choices and a heart full of love and compassion just notice what does it feel like to experience life in my body if i binge eat a whole pizza and you know follow it with three glasses of wine and a half a dozen cookies Remember, with no judgment, because those choices are serving some kind of purpose at the time, it's just about living in it and really feeling that experience from a place of love and compassion. What does that feel like? What would you say to your daughter or your friend if she was making herself feel that way? Do you really want to keep feeling that way? And what does it feel like if you eat a cookie instead of broccoli? It's not about the cookie being wrong and the broccoli being right. It's about noticing how does each make it physically feel to live in my body. I've had many clients go through this process and start noticing that certain vegetables give them cramps or make them feel awful, but they never noticed before because they were so busy trying to force themselves to just eat what they thought they were supposed to eat, right? You know, in order to be good. Completely unaware of the impact the things that they were eating were having on their bodies. And I'm pulling out the first two random foods that popped into my head, right? It's it's not meant to suggest that I'm advocating eating cookies instead of vegetables, only to point out that your body will tell you which one makes it feel the best. And as you begin to learn about what makes your body feel it's the best feel its best, by physically experiencing the discomfort. <laughs> you begin to want the things that make you feel terrible less and less. Think of it like touching a hot stove, only not so dramatically. You'd only burn yourself a few times before you'd start thinking, hmm, maybe I don't want to touch that stove anymore, right? In some instances, it might be enough to get warnings from others to not do things that have a negative effect on us or make us feel bad, right? Like most of us never have to step out in front of a car because we are taught that that's not a positive choice for our bodies. It's probably going to feel kind of bad and we don't need to physically get hit by the car to not want to do that. But food is different because we tend to build such deeply rooted, very personal relationships with us. So for many of us, we actually need to make that physical connection with what the experience of eating that food feels like. And I cannot possibly overstate how powerfully transformative this switch is. Now, there's one caveat to that and that is if we don't believe we deserve to feel good. So several years ago in one of my um depressive winter states when it was at its worst, I was very aware that I was eating way too much of things that were making me feel like absolute garbage. I knew that I was doing it. I had already been practicing some of these things for a while and yet for this you know for whatever re- reason during this particular time, I couldn't stop myself. And I kept asking why? You know that you're making yourself sick. Why do you keep doing this? Don't you wanna feel good? And one day with that one question, I heard the answer pop into my head and it kind of startled me for a second because I wasn't expecting it. And I realized I'm doing this on purpose because I feel like I deserve to feel bad i don't feel like i deserve to feel good i am purposely making myself sick don't you want to f- why don't you want to feel good i don't deserve to that's what i thought again I'm completely blown away by that realization i was not expecting it but that was my truth at that stage of my journey i didn't believe that i deserved to feel good so I was purposely punishing myself with food. And, you know, this is a pattern that I see repeated all the time. We treat ourselves the way that we feel like we deserve to be treated. So if we are purposefully eating things that we know are going to make us sick, we're punishing ourselves. And that only stops when we stop feeling like we deserve to be punished. Once I realized that, I realized that it wasn't the process I was going through that wasn't working for me. It was just that there was some other stuff going on in me that I needed to address before it would start helping again. And so that's what I did. I worked even harder on giving myself compassion, kindness, acceptance, and love. And I really started digging into all of the reasons that I thought I deserved to be punished. And holy cow, the healing that happened with that. So that's the only caveat to that. If you if you don't believe that you deserve to feel good, you're gonna struggle with that second step. But that doesn't mean it won't work, it just means that you need to dig deeper and really heal the relationship with you that you have with yourself even more. And so the third step is if you're not physically hungry, that's a cue that you've been triggered by something. So notice, what just happened? What was I just thinking about? What am I feeling emotionally? What do I actually need right now? And two big ones, how will I feel if I eat that? And do I want to feel that way? This helps to create the space of awareness between trigger and behavior. And that space is where your power lies. That's where automatic programming can start getting rewired because it shuts off the behavior long enough for you to at least make a conscious choice. That's the first step just bringing awareness into the choice and for a while you may still choose to eat that's normal and it's important that you always know that you can this is a process that happens in steps and so the first step is just pausing that autopilot for a second to notice and ask without judgment and from kindness and compassion what's driving this choice right now what and do i really want to feel the way eating that is going to make me feel This changes decision-making from being fear or guilt-based, right, it's bad or it's addictive or whatever, I can't have it, to love and trust-based, knowing I can have whatever I want and I trust myself to know what the kindest choice I can make for myself right now is. And then the last step is to learn to understand and manage your emotions without food. How? It depends on the emotion and the situation. Sometimes simply looking for ways to change your perspective on things can help. For example, you know, if I'm feeling badly about something, I can choose to switch and look for something to be grateful for instead. Sometimes reducing or eliminating triggers can help, right? Is the news or is social media triggering you nonstop all day? Stop engaging in so much with it so much. And sometimes you just have to sit with them really bringing in that self-compassion element noticing what you're feeling naming it and accepting whatever it is right so i'm feeling super anxious right now and that's okay remind yourself that everyone gets anxious sometimes it's normal and extend yourself kindness put your hands over your heart if you have to and repeat things like i choose to send this feelings this feeling kindness sometimes our pain and suffering and uncomfortable emotions really just need to be seen heard, and given some love. When we remove all of the thoughts about what we should or shouldn't be eating, what's good or bad, when there are no food judgments present, all the feelings and behaviors that are being driven by those things are simply gone. And when we rewire our brain to stop believing that food is the answer to everything, we stop being driven to eat nonstop every time we're potentially triggered. Those things are just gone. That's the power of staying connected to ourselves. That's how staying connected to ourselves can transform the way that we eat. Now, I want to leave you with a super quick body connection meditation because I've talked a lot about being connected with our bodies. And sometimes it's difficult to even know where to begin to do that. So you're going to begin by taking a moment to allow your body to settle into a comfortable position. From here, you're just gonna close your eyes down. Allow your shoulders to soften. Checking in with your bodies helps to settle the mind and to notice what physiological sensations and emotions might be present. Begin by taking a full breath in and a long breath out. Now, bringing awareness to the top of your body, your head, face, neck, and shoulders. Noticing any sensations, movements, any places of tightness, aching, restriction. Now, moving down the arms and the hands. Sensing the back of the body and the front of the body. What are you feeling in your chest? How's your heart doing? How does it feel? What are you feeling deep in your belly? Sensing yourself seated, feeling the contact of your body with the chair or the cushion. sensing your upper legs, your lower legs, and your feet, noticing if there are any particular places that call out for attention, places where sensations feel the most vibrant or dynamic. Is there any tingling, any vibrating, Scanning to see if there are places where there's lack of sensation or only very faint sensations. What do you feel right now? Where do you feel it? What does it feel like? Can you describe it? Now, sensing the whole body breathing, What does your body need right now finishing with a full deep breath in and a long deep breath out when you're ready opening your eyes coming back to the room and being ready to give your body what it told you it needed. I hope that helped to give some clarity, helped you to feel a little bit seen and understood, helped to give you some things to start practicing. Until next time, I will talk to you soon. Stay well, I'm sending you love. You've been listening to Being More with Ronnie Davis. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about embodied cognitive eating training and access free resources, visit www.ecet.online.